The card that refused to die, UFC 294, is coming to your screens from Abu Dhabi this weekend. And man, talk about drama. Main and co-main event changed at the last minute to some absolute banger fights. And more names ending in Ov and Ev than a Soviet cavalry division. Lots of Russian lads on this card and it should be a fun one. So let's dive in and talk about the fighters you might not know. I'm Max from MMA on Point. Thank you so much to our channel Hall of Famers for their support. And this is the Unfamiliars for UFC 294. Opening up the prelims at middleweight, we have Bruno Silva taking on Sharabut and Magomedov. I have a feeling that this Sharabut and Magomedov dude might make an impression in the MMA world. You know, the undefeated, ginger, half-blind, caveman Dagestani guy. Yeah, there's kind of a lot to write about Shara Magomedov. Despite his name and ethnicity, this dude is not a wrestler at heart, but he spent most of his combat career putting his shins on people. Dude trains in Thailand often. Kickboxing is definitely his base, with 10 of his 11 wins coming by way of knockout. In spite of that Muay Thai base, he uses his lead leg a lot like a Taekwondo or karate fighter, throwing side kicks and hook kicks consistently from range with a really good dexterity. But if you're looking for the Thai influence in his game, his plum clinch game is vicious and his knees to the body are deadly, as well as having nasty leg kicks as well. Those leg kicks though do lead to some of his biggest weaknesses, which are the takedown. Some pretty poor wrestlers have been able to get Shara down to the mat with reactive takedowns, and it's something he's just not up to the UFC scratch on yet. He does need to improve his grappling for sure. In fact, a lot of his unrecorded bouts have come in modified rules matches that only allow 30 seconds of ground action at a time so he's definitely picked his fights well considering the grappling issues he's got and yeah now i'm gonna have to talk about some of the scumbag stuff this dude has already done in the public eye before even making it to the ufc he was caught on cctv attacking some guy in a mall for public displays of affection the non-fighter dude even took mount on him and got the upper hand on magomedov before shara ran away waited outside the exit and sucker punched the guy to knock him out horrific in a second slightly less criminal but still pretty scummy incident in a local grappling competition Shara got tapped out via heel hook and jumped up, threatened his opponent, and kicked him while he was on the floor. Just clearly a completely unhinged dude. Good fighter, unique look, scummy outside of the cage. What's new, eh? He takes on Bruno Silva, who we have spoken about before, and is making his eighth appearance here, coming off a submission loss to Brendan Allen last time out. UFC definitely being kind to Shara, giving him another striker in this one, rather than any of the plethora of grapplers that could make the Russian's UFC debut a tough one. Silva is more than capable on the feet, and he hits hard. He gave Alex Pereira a run for his money early in his UFC career, and he has some big knockouts too, but I would say he's gonna be at a speed and technique disadvantage on the feet against Matt. Magomedov. It might pay to work in some grappling here for Bruno Silva. I do think he could get Magomedov to the mat, but Silva eats a really high volume of strikes, and against someone with big power, that doesn't bode very well. A lot of people are picking Magomedov. He's undefeated. He's got all the physical advantages in this one, so I understand why, but as an underdog on this card, Bruno Silva, pretty good pick. But on balance, I will agree with the odds here. I'll take Shara Magomedov. I'll say he gets it done by decision. Next up at women's strawweight, Jin Frey takes on Victoria Dudakova. Former Invicta champion and all-around pioneer Jin Frey has had a rough run in the UFC. The 5'3 former atom weight has struggled with the size difference up at 115 and she's gone two wins, five losses in the big show. And on a three-fight losing streak at 38 years of age, it looks like the UFC might be trying to get some blood from the stone here and give a young undefeated up-and-comer a good name to be. Victoria Dudakova is 7-0 in MMA with a 6-0 amateur record to her name as well, so at just 24 years old, that's a pretty impressive career already. A lifelong athlete, Dudakova was swimming professionally by age 7. She was on the national team for Russia, but she took the natural step of going from the calm, gentle waters to punching people in the mouth for a living. Inspired by Ronda Rousey to start training mixed martial arts, you can really tell by her style. Dudakova might not have the prettiest striking in the world, although it is getting better very quickly, but once she bum rushes you and gets in the clinch or on the mat, her grappling is lovely to watch. Nice takedowns from the body lock, 
and gorgeous judo as well. Harai Goshi's all over the place. She showed all this off in her run through Russia and her Dana White Contender Series shot in which she dominated an undefeated grappler, Maria Silva. Dudakova's UFC debut ended in strange circumstances as her opponent's elbow visited Snap City after a takedown. This is why we learned to break fall, kids. Hopefully she'll get to show a little bit more of a game in this one. Dudakova is a massive straw weight, which honestly spells doom for Frey. Frey has much better technique on the feet, but as soon as they wrap up in the clinch, I do think the size difference and strength difference is going to play huge here. When you're facing a younger, stronger grappler with a size advantage, that really doesn't bode well for you. So I'm going to take Victoria Dudakova. I'll say she gets it done by decision. Next up at 145, Nathaniel Wood takes on Mohamed Naimov. Nathaniel Wood on the prelims is a bit criminal. Three fight win streak, seven and two overall in the UFC, and he's been tangling with dangerous dudes at bantamweight and featherweight for five years at this point. He's one of the most solid all-rounders in the division. He's a seriously dangerous prospect to anyone less experienced. And his opponent, Mohamed Naimov, is less experienced. Nine and two as a pro, including a single UFC win last time out on his debut, a knockout over everyone's favorite Aussie brawler, Jamie Malaki. The tragic former Uber Eats driver is now delivering knuckle sandwiches, and with a world championship in Taekwondo under his belt, as well as a 5-1 amateur career, he's off to a pretty good start. Naimov's first crack at the Contender Series back in 2020 ended in his first pro loss by decision, but a three-fight win streak on the regional scene saw him get the short-notice call-up for that fight with Malaki, for which he was a plus 350 underdog, so well done there. To get a shot at Nathaniel Wood after that is a pretty massive step up from his general competition too, so he's going from strength to strength here, and showing that you can't just judge a fighter by their record alone sometimes. Vicious leg kicks on this that really explosive kicking game in general. I do think he struggles in the clinch. He gives up the cage cutting battle a lot and he doesn't throw in combination much, which can lead to him losing rounds. But he is happy to strike out of both stances. He's got really good power in his hands when he does throw them and his calf kick is nasty. Huge spinning kicks as well, a number of head kicks on this lad's record. He trains with Justin Gaethje out of Elevation Fight Team and yeah, not as polished, but a lot of the same strengths as the highlight. Honestly, Wood should win this one based on his well-roundedness, his aggressiveness, how much more experienced he is, but Jamie Malarkey should have beaten Naimov as well. And we all saw how that one turned out, so don't be surprised if the counter-striking and explosive power is enough for Naimov to get the win. But as usual, I have to take in the all-around game and experience level of these guys, so Nathaniel Wood by decision. Next up at 155, Anshul Jubilee takes on Mike Breeden. Now, you might have seen the Road to UFC series. It's a tournament-based Dana White's Contender Series style event based in Asia, where prospects out of that region fight to get a chance at a UFC contract. Kind of entertaining, lots of good young fighters coming out of that Asia region right now. Anshul Jubilee won himself a contract in the first season and made himself the first Indian UFC fighter to ever get a win. Pretty impressive. The King of Lions was born in the far north of India, up in the Himalayas, and he moved around a lot in his youth. Finding mixed martial arts while doing recruitment exams for the Indian Army, Ghibli started watching Faraz Zahabi and John Danaher videos on YouTube and practicing them with his mates because there were no gyms in his hometown. Eventually, he found himself in Delhi where he could find a proper MMA gym. He got himself a 13-0 amateur career, and since 2019, he has gone 7-0 as a professional, finishing with that tournament win and a performance of the night knockout back in February. What a crazy story. Our sport truly, like Pitbull, is going worldwide. The former maths teacher has an excellent jab from the orthodox stance, some nice takedowns along the cage as well. He loves an arm triangle on the mat. He's always hunting for them all the time whenever he gets in top position on the ground. And his ground and pound is not too shabby either. That's what won him that UFC contract with some excellent control and damage down on the mat. 
Jubilee's opponent, Mike Breeden, has had a rough, rough start to his UFC career. He's gone zero wins, three losses, with two big KO losses and a weight miss in there as well. To be fair to Breeden, his level of competition has been just way above Jubilee's, with Terence McKinney and Alexander Hernandez on that list, but definitely has been a struggle for the 34-year-old so far. Ten wins, six losses overall in his career, with some spectacular wins in his LFA run, and experience all across the regional level in mixed martial arts so far. Breeden is a purple belt in jiu-jitsu, and you might expect to see a grapple-heavy game from him, but no, my dude just likes to swang and or bang all the time. His fight with Natan Levy was a wild war. He is always moving forward and throwing bombs, eating and landing punches at ridiculously high volumes. Not the most technical fighter in the world, but when it comes to pressure and putting people in deep water, he's among the most fun to watch right now. Bit of a hard one to pick here. Jubilee definitely hasn't come under the type of scrutiny that he will in this one. Breeden will put pressure on him, and I haven't seen how Jubilee reacts to that yet. Breeden's a pretty big underdog on here, but if you're going to take a punt on any underdogs on this card, I reckon picking Breeden isn't bad based on his pressure and his high level of competition at this point in his career compared to Jubilee. So I'm going to take Mike Breeden. I'll say he gets it done by KO. Next up at middleweight, Cedricas Dumas takes on Abu Azaita. As Azaita, we have spoken about before for his last outing, which was a bad TKO loss to Mark Andre Barrio, his first loss in 11 years, which is crazy. The older brother of Otman Azaita, that guy who broke COVID protocols and got Dana mad that one time, Abu is the more experienced of the two for sure across PFL, Cage Warriors, and KO. SW, and he's had some huge knockouts in that time, including over Jack Marshman. His opponent, Cedricus Dumas, may look like he is about to hit you with the sickest mumble rap of 2023, but he's actually a professional fighter, believe it or not. A Florida-based former street fighter who came up through Jorge Masvidal's Icon FC and Gamebred Fighting Championship, Dumas may have come into your newsfeed after his Contender Series win. When it came out, he had a pretty lengthy and violent criminal record. But that's kind of grim and sad, so I guess let's just kind of talk about his in-cage fighting. A big, long-rangey middleweight, straight punches and and kicks to the legs and body from distance are his game. He's found success counter-wrestling with a really good tight guillotine, but in general, he wants to keep it on the feet. Doesn't throw in combinations very much, and after he throws, he takes pictures and leaves himself open for counters, which we saw in his second UFC bout against Fremd, who blasted him with counter-left hooks. Against bigger dudes, he can struggle in the grappling department as well. He's got some good submissions, but defensively from the bottom, he leaves his guard wide open, and he can get smashed there. Dumas is the slight favorite over Azaitar here, but I think Azaitar does represent a type of fighter that Dumas might struggle against. Sure, Abu can't counter-strike and he isn't going to wrestle, but he is built like a house. He's super aggressive and he's going to throw leather at Dumas' face and Dumas' defense is just not holding up yet. So I will take the underdog again. I'm going to take Abu Azaita. I'll say he gets it done by knockout. Next up at 135, Javid Basharat takes on Victor Henry. Oh my god, this is my hardcore fight of the night. What a sneaky banger this is. We've spoken about both of these lads. Javid is on a tear. 14-0, three wins, no no losses in the big show so far and honestly showcasing some very very high level ability. His kickboxing is class, but he's also shown new wrinkles in his grappling game as well. I'm really high on Javid Basharat, and if he can keep improving and get into the rankings, we could see some really fun high-level matchups in his future as well. Victor Henry is for sure the deserved underdog in this one, there's no doubt, but he is also one of the most fun guys to watch in the UFC right now. A mix of unorthodox, combo-heavy kickboxing and some delicious catch wrestling on the mat, I don't think Henry has had a boring fight in his whole life, and if you stand in front of him, he will kick you into smithereens. If we get a kickboxing fight between these two lads, it's going to be fast, fun, and high level, and I cannot wait to see what happens. I do have to give the edge all around to Javid, so I will take Javid Basharat, I'll say by decision. Next up, Mohamed Yaya takes on Trevor Peak. 
The first Emirati in the UFC makes his debut in his home nation. Muhammad Yaya, a soldier in the UAE army, found MMA at age 14 watching The Ultimate Fighter. Yaya made his bones in UAE Warriors, becoming their lightweight champion, and amassed a 12-3 MMA record as well as a 22-0 kickboxing record before making it to the UFC. A powerful and durable counter-striker with a cracker of a right hand on him, Yaya's got seven knockouts to show for his kickboxing ability. Good solid striking, really good durability are his highlights, and I would say the gaps in his game right now have to be his grappling and getting stuck on the cage. Most of his grappling relies on being explosive rather than technical, which means he's often in serious trouble when he's on the mat with someone who knows what they're doing. But I really don't think that grappling is going to be an issue here against Trevor Peak, who is a wild man. If you've never seen Trevor Peak fight, uh, you've never seen a man throw so many standing hammer fists. It will blow your mind. A complete brawler, durable, fun, and silly in equal parts, Peak is a wonder to watch. 100% aggression at all times. You will not see much counter-striking from Mr. Peak, as it is hard to counter-strike while you're running forwards and throwing punches. Seriously though, Peak has gotten a little bit more technical. He's shown some advancements in his leg-kicking game, but yeah, not the most technical lad in the world. He throws so hard that he actually gasses himself out long before the bell, but he has crazy power and durability, and he makes for some of the most fun fights of the last few years. This one's just going to be a fun smash em up brawl. Two guys who can both take a punch and give some power out. And though Yaya might be more technical, he does struggle with pressure because he doesn't know how to keep his back off the cage. Against a guy as crazy aggressive as Peak, again, that spells doom. So I'm going to take Trevor Peak, and I think he can get the knockout here. Finishing off our prelims, this one is high level. Tim Elliott takes on Mohamed Makayev. Tim Elliott's class is permanent. We know how good he is from all the way back when he gave Demetrius Johnson his biggest challenge at 125 pounds. And Mohamed Makayev is still, for me, the best prospect in the sport right now. The longest unbeaten amateur career ever, and now nine wins, no losses as a pro. Makayev is super aggressive. He's dangerous on the feet and on the mat. Feels like Tim might be in trouble with this one, but he's still easily going to be the best fighter Makayev has ever fought by country mile. No one has had as much experience and as much high-level ability in Makayev's past opponents as Tim Elliott. This one's going to be exciting and fast-paced. I reckon Makayev will be the one putting on the pressure, and it's going to get a bit scrambly as well. On balance, I think it's probably going to go the distance, and I think I have to go with the phenom. So I'm going to take Mohamed Makayev. I'll say he gets it done by decision. Next up, Saeed Nurmagomedov takes on Muin Gafarov. Some of versus of violence here, and it does feel like a bit of cheeky matchmaking by the UFC. Saeed is coming off of a loss, but he's still very much in the conversation just outside the rankings. His opponent, Gafarov, is nowhere near the rankings. He has just one UFC bout, and he lost it. One gets the impression that they wanted both of these guys on the card for their ethnicity, seeing as it's an Abu Dhabi card, and they kind of just decided they're going to have to pair them up. Gafarov is more than solid with some excellent performances across his career in one LFA and more, but this does just feel like a layup for Saeed Nurmagomedov to get back on a winning run on a big card for his camp. Gafarov could surprise with some of his power striking, but Saeed Nurmagomedov to me just has the skill set to make this one a little bit trivial. Nurmagomedov by decision. Next up at 185, Ikram Aliskarov takes on Warley Alves. This one is a bit of a mismatch as well. We've talked about Aliskarov, and in just one fight, he has positioned himself as a properly dangerous fixture at 185. His knockout of Phil Hawes was nothing short of terrifying, and with his only loss in his career coming to Hamzat Shemaev, you can bet your ass he's going to look to show off on a card featuring the only man who ever beat him. Hell, if he wins, he might even call him out. With enough Samba gold medals to make Fedor blush and a scary combination power kickboxing game, he's going straight to the top and I would not be surprised to see him in the top 25 shortly. Warley Alves, meanwhile, is a welterweight coming up to step in on short notice on a two-fight losing streak to much, much weaker punchers than Eliskarov and on a 6-4 and four run in his last 10 bouts. He's powerful, he's unpredictable, but he's going to be outgunned slower, smaller, and less technical in there. 
It's a really rough matchup, and I honestly, I can't pick anything except Aliskarov, I'll say by submission. Next up at light heavyweight, Magomed Ankalaev takes on Johnny Walker. This is going to be a bit of a wild one as well. Ankalaev, of course, is coming off that draw against Jan Blachowicz for the vacant belt that kind of broke the division, and it probably should have ended with gold strapped around Ankalaev's waist. Johnny Walker, we all know and love. He's a lunatic. He's recovered from his dodgy run of getting knocked out, and now he's on a three-fight winning streak, so this one actually really does have implications for the title picture. Whoever wins has a really good shout at calling out either Yuri Bahatska or Jamal Hill for a battle for the belt. Johnny continues to be a complete wild man with Windows shut down music in his power hand, and Ankalaev is definitely going to want to lean on his wrestling to dominate this one on the mat if he can. But again, technically, there's just such a big gap here. Ankalaev, all he needs to do is avoid being clipped, and if he can do that, it's only going to end one way. I'll say Magomed Ankalaev, uh, and I'll take him by submission. Your co-main event of the evening, Kamaru Usman takes on Hamzat Shimaev. What a batshit crazy fight. Do you think Usman did injure his knee in that open workout? Do you think it matters? If Leon can take him down, a 185-pound Hamzat Shimaev should have a decent chance to. And if Usman's knees are as bad as we think they are, going up against a dude a weight class up, probably not going to do him any favors. It's kind of an impossible fight to actually analyze because they've both been out of the cage for so long and it's a short notice fight, a weight class up for Usman. Who the hell knows, honestly, but my gut tells me the physicality and the explosiveness of Shemaev is probably going to be enough just to overwhelm Usman. I'm going to take Hamza Shemaev. I'll say he gets it done by decision. Next up, your main event of the evening, and for my money, the highest level fight in MMA right now. Islam Mahachev, Alexander Volkanovsky rematch. We get the highest level fight in MMA again. I'm so happy. Is Volk going to be ready on short notice after a surgery? Has he had time to sharpen up that grappling defense even more and work on a few more tricks to keep Islam honest on the feet? Alex outstruck Islam. He got the damage and he got the knockdown, but that one round of body triangle control was enough for Islam to take the scorecards last time out. Again, it's really hard to analyze these things because it's on short notice. But going just with my gut here, Volk did have Islam in trouble in that fight. He hugely outstruck him on the feet and that knockdown as well. You gotta think, if he can avoid getting dragged down and stuck on the bottom again, Volk has more ways to win. So it might be against the grain, it might be against the odds, but I'm gonna take Alexander Volkanovsky. I'll say he gets it done by decision and becomes the double champ. I'm quite sure I'm gonna get some annoyed people telling me I'm an idiot in the comments, but go ahead. It's nice to have the engagement. What do you guys think? I hope you enjoy the fights. It's actually quite a cracker of a card. Thank you so much to our channel champions for their support. Hit me up on Twitter as per usual and tell me I'm wrong. I still love you. Have a lovely weekend.